Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we talked to Brady Oliveira, Winnipeg's own Oak Park product, now a Blue Bomber. Had an amazing first start at IG Field Thursday, named a CFL top performer of the week for that. And we'll talk to him about that. And also, Desiree Scott talks to our Kelly Moore about being an Olympic gold medalist. How awesome is that? That's all coming up on the podcast. News today, too, that the CFL top performers for week one had been announced, and we have a Blue Bomber on the list. That would be Brady Oliveira, 22 rushes for 126 yards in week one, the victory over the Ticats also caught a screen pass for 21 yards, and Brady joins us on the line now. Brady, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So when you heard the news today that you were named the, a top performer for the week, what went through your mind? Yeah, it was exciting. I kind of forgot that uh, the CFL did that, where they have like they pick a top performer of the week. So uh, uh, some of my teammates kept coming up to me today and were like, oh, like congrats, and like congrats. And then I guess I checked my phone coming out of meetings this morning. I was like, oh, like being named a top performer of the CFL for week one was uh, pretty exciting. But, um, you know, there's there's still a lot, more, a lot more work to be done. How much credit to that goes to your offensive line? I, I told the whole offensive line today, uh, I was like, that, uh, you know, that whatever you want to call it, that uh, acknowledgement that I got uh, from the CFL this week was all from the from the from the boys up front, man. They had an amazing job, um, you know, and I, I always tell, you know, whenever I ever have, you know, media things and we talk about the O-line and uh, one thing about those guys is, you know, they put so much work in, um, you know, behind the scenes that, you know, you guys don't get to see, you know, all the, the film studies that they, they do, all the lifting, uh, you know, throughout the season that they do. Um, they just, they, they put their hearts into this game. And, uh, you know, that's why we're able to have success uh, running the game. But, um, you know, the fact that I'm able to run behind the best uh, offensive line unit in the CFL, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing. It's good. They make my job a little bit easier. Well, how does that make your comfort level that much better when you're making your first ever start and you've got these road graders in front of you? Absolutely. I think uh, you said it right there, just, uh, you know, uh, being a lot more comfortable and having, you know, my mind at ease, you know, when I have, you know, I'm only 23 years old and I, I had my first, uh, my first start. So when I'm, when I'm running behind the offensive line like that, you know, you got, you know, greats all across the board that, you know, are, are blocking for me. So, um, you know, it's been amazing. You know, I think uh, a, a big part of that uh, was, you know, me being able to take a ton of reps during training camp, you know, uh, running with the ones all training camp and, and having the offensive line, you know, take me under their wing and, and really communicating with me even extra um, has been a huge help. How much adrenaline was running through you as you headed out of the tunnel in the opener last week? Great. Like it was, it's hard to even explain. Like I'm getting goosebumps right now just because that was obviously, you know, a night I'll remember for the rest of my life. Uh, not even just because of the performance and my start, just because, you know, um, you know, us being pro athletes, you know, we play, we play this game. We play in the Canadian football league um, because we truly love the game of football. You know, this isn't the NFL when we're talking about, you know, millions of dollars. Like, you know, we play, we truly play this game because we love the game of football. And, you know, when we got that taken away from us last year, um, you know, guys are like, wow, like, you know, maybe took this game for granted. And now that we have it back uh, running out of the tunnel for the first time uh, and, X how many months it was. Uh, it was. It was truly was, you know, such an amazing feeling uh, for myself personally. Uh, you know, I had a lot to prove to myself coming off that uh, that nasty ankle injury in the home opener in 19. Um, so, you know, I, I ran out of that tunnel and I was obviously it was an amazing feeling, but I was I ran out, you know, pissed off because I, you know, I wanted to prove to myself, you know, prove to my family, you know, pr- 
uh, you know, prove just to everyone that, you know, uh, you know, I, I can, I can do this. And, uh, you know, I think I, uh, you know, showed the CFL that on, uh, on Thursday. Well, for you, it'd been what, 25 months plus since your, your injury in 2019. So for you, there must've been so much anticipation leading up to that moment. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I put so much work in behind the scenes, you know, in, in 19, you know, those dark days, you know, when, when, if no one has ever experienced an injury like that and having to get surgery, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something else, you know, you know, lots of days where, you know, you're bedridden for a couple of weeks and, uh, uh, you, you, you wish you were out there on the field and then you're, you're doing a ton of rehab. I did a bunch of work with, you know, our, our head trainer, Al Couture and our strength and conditioning coach, you know, Braden Miller, um, you know, in the 19th season, trying to make a comeback to play in the, in the 19th season. And then, you know, with the season being canceled last year, and I'm a guy that really takes this game seriously and, and I don't take a day off. And, uh, you know, when the season got canceled last year, you know, I was so preparing that we were going to play a season even when it got canceled we got word from it I was still training you know for the 2021 season where we are now so uh, I'm a guy that really you know um, plays this game because I love this game and and I'm and you know with that being said I'm playing in the city that you know I was born and raised in so um, that right there just makes me want to play and and put so much more into this because I want to make the people uh, in Winnipeg proud so uh, it's just truly a blessing that you know I get to you know you know, wear that uh, that bomber jersey and run out of the tunnel and, and play in my hometown. It's truly a blessing. Of the 29,000-plus people that saw you play on Thursday, how many of them do you think you knew? Oh, I knew. There's so, so many messages that I got from people after the game that, you know, saying that they were there. Um, so, yeah, I, I had a ton of family and friends at that game. And, uh, you know, I had to get a ton of tickets. You know, there's jokes in the locker room of guys being like, oh, my God, bro, you're taking all the tickets. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I had a ton of family and friends at that game. And, and uh, you know, it, it was uh, it was a special night for me. Uh, I was just reminded of something by Kelly Moore, our sports director, who texted me. You helped a, a woman rescue a dog from the river last year. Have you stayed in touch with that woman at all? Yeah, so that was uh, that was crazy. No, I haven't uh, kept in touch with her, but uh, yeah, that was just uh, you know, it was, it was more so right place, right time type thing. You know, I, I expect any anyone that if that saw that dog, you know, going down to the river. It's springtime, so you know the water in Winnipeg is moving pretty fast. Um, she was having trouble getting her dog out of the water, so you know, I expect anyone that if you witness that, to, you know, be a good person and you just lend a helping hand and, and help that dog out. But uh, you know, and I'm just a, you know, I'm a dog lover. I got two dogs of my own. I, uh, you know, I've been doing a bunch of animal rescue uh, across uh, Manitoba, going to northern communities, remote communities, pulling dogs out for uh, uh, an organization called Canine Advocates. And uh, yeah, it's been keeping me busy. So uh, it, it's crazy. I guess it was the right place, right time. And just uh, how it worked out, I guess, uh, you know, me being a big dog guy, I, was, I jumped in, didn't literally jump in the water, but I jumped right away to uh, go help that dog and, and the lady. On the note of you helping out with the animal rescuing, uh, why is that important to you? Uh, you know what? When I when I went on my first rescue run, actually, uh, my buddy Ryan Clawson had been doing this for years, and uh, he asked me if I wanted to come along for a ride, and I was like, for sure. You know, I had no idea that you know an overpopulation population of canine was a problem in the in the province that I lived in I had no idea this was a thing so when I really when I went with him uh to the community it was just a really eye-opening experience and and seeing these dogs being neglected and abused and and just what they're going through is just like was mind-blowing and you know I, I just have a really big heart I like to, I love to help out others um but when you're talking about animals you know 
they they didn't ask for this like you know they don't have a voice so i always like to say i love being a voice for the voiceless um so just uh you know when, when i went on my first rescue run and i saw what these animals are going through i'm like wow like i i need to be a big help here there's so many dogs out there so many dogs across manitoba that need us uh people like us to go and be a voice for them so um ever since then you know i've been going on a ton of rescue runs especially with last season being canceled going to you know, super far communities, flying into some, you know, driving to some and, uh, and just really pulling uh, dogs out of bad situations and, uh, and just giving them a, a second, uh, a second hope in life. Before I let you go, Brady, just back to the note of playing in your hometown. When was the first Blue Bomber game you went to? Was it at the old stadium? Oh yeah. I don't even know how old I was, but it was, uh, it was at the old stadium by Polo Park. And uh, I've went to a ton of games there. Obviously me being from Winnipeg, I played there uh, when I played with the North Winnipeg Nomads. Uh, and then obviously, you know, went watched Bomber games at the new stadium, played at the new stadium when I was at Oak Park. Um, so, yeah, just uh, it's just a surreal moment that uh, I'm just uh, getting to experience all this. Well, Brady, appreciate your time tonight. Good luck with uh, the rest of the season here. and We'll see you back on the field soon. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. As Brady Oliveira named the CFL top performer today for his performance in week one victory over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. What a moment. Friday morning when Julia Grasso's six-round penalty kick beat the Swedish keeper to give Canada's women's soccer team that long-coveted seat atop the Olympic podium. I screamed in joy. I couldn't believe it. The team screamed, and you could hear it through the empty cavernous stadium in Tokyo about 45 minutes before they received their gold medals and got to sing O Canada. And yesterday, Desiree Scott, hometown hero for Winnipeg, returned to the airport, greeted by friends and family. And she only has about a week to spend here before going back to the U.S. to play in the NWSL. But she was kind enough today to sit down with our Kelly Moore for this chat. Desiree, I know we've talked to you before, coming home from London and coming home from Rio. But now coming home from Tokyo with that beautiful piece of hardware around your neck. Yes, I am just so excited. Uh, here it is, by the way. Um, yeah, just so I'm so incredibly happy. I haven't stopped smiling since the game. Now that the nerves and stress of it all have come down, but man, what a ride, what a journey. How long do you think it's going to be before the enormity of what has been accomplished finally sinks in? I think it's going to take, I don't know, maybe some months. I, I just, you know, you set out a goal and a task to change the color of the medal to win an Olympics, but to actually achieve it and you know see all the hard work come to fruition is just it's incredible i'm still in awe and just keep saying is, is this for real are we are we serious so it's it's just so so amazing you know just before we talk about the game itself and the journey uh once you arrived in tokyo i want to back the truck up just a little bit more because we had the chance to talk to you right as the team canada training camp was opening in irving uh, california and, and, and it was kind of there that the seed was planted uh, about changing the color of the metal, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, we had our first um, meeting as a team and that was sort of the opening, you know, message from our coach. She said, you know, do you guys, what is the goal here for this Olympics? And we talked about not just getting to a semifinal, but but getting to that final game and changing the color of the metal. And, and that was sort of the theme from all of our training sessions leading there forward. Let's talk about getting to Tokyo now because your game against the host country was one of the first marquee events of the Tokyo games. And you had that lead until late in the game. 
did it shake the foundation of that belief at all to have to settle for the one-one tie in your opening game? Yeah, I mean, we I, I always said we had the group of death. I think our journey was was quite hard to get to that gold medal game um, and to play against the Japanese in the opening match, host nation. Um, what a way to start off the tournament. They're a quality side. Um, but I think our belief, we we are a team that doesn't make things easy on ourselves. And so we prepared for these moments. We knew, you know, it was a long tournament. We were going to grow through it. Um, so the belief never really wavered. I knew, I knew we were going to bounce back. Yeah, I'm not sure where the stress meter was higher, Desi, uh, whether it was for the penalty kicks against Brazil in the quarterfinals or uh, whether it was in that gold medal final. But, uh, but either way, both of them had to be incredibly nerve-wracking, not being an, an active participant in it. Yes, I forewarned my coach that I will never take a penalty kick um, to sub me off, save a sub for it, because it's just it's so stressful. Um, so kudos to all my teammates who stepped up to the plate. Um, but yeah, both games just so pinnacle to go to a PK, you know, to make that final decision, the Brazil game to get to the medal rounds and then the gold medal match to, to win it all out on that final kick. I mean, I had my eyes closed. I felt nauseous. It was way too stressful for my liking. And sandwiched between an historic victory over your arch rivals from the United States. That people are saying, which game did you enjoy more, the gold medal or beating the United States? And it's <laughs> obviously the gold medal game, but I have had I had it on my bucket list to beat the Americans and to do it in a semifinal of the Olympics. Like that's going to go hands down in one of the most greatest games I've ever played in. And I, at that rivalry, it's 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 a great feeling to to take them out of that tournament for sure. We are speaking with Desiree Scott, Manitoban, Winnipegger, Olympic gold medalist. Uh, as the, the Canadian women's soccer team did accomplish their goal of changing the color of the medal. And, and when you look back at the whole Tokyo experience, Desiree, uh, full disclosure here, I wasn't on board with the Olympics being held just because of all of the processes. And, and mainly it was because of people like you. I, I feared for the athletes. Uh, but thank goodness the games did go on because they were tremendous for Canada. But what was it like actually being there in the epicenter of it yeah i mean there's obviously a lot of concerns with the pandemic for safety of the athletes the volunteers you know there's a lot that goes into these games to happen um but i personally was like our team had protocols in place to make sure we were safe we were testing every single day um to make sure that we were all you know covid free um, and things were in a pretty serious lockdown situation. So you didn't fully get that games experience. We were in hotels. We could only leave the hotel for training and games, essentially. So, like, that was our outdoor time. So it was pretty locked down and strict um, to keep making sure that the athletes were safe and protected. So the, I'm so happy the games went on. I felt safe the entire time. Um, and happy because I'm an Olympic champion. So I'm happy they, they went on. So... So I'm guessing, as you consider uh, post-soccer playing careers, professional guide of Tokyo, you're not quite uh, qualified for that. No, not at all. I couldn't tell you anything, any key points to visit at all, <laughs> besides the soccer fields. <laughs> right, exactly. And what was it like playing uh, in, in an empty venue? I mean, I know you know professionally uh for the teams that you played for you had to uh, put up uh, or get used to that rather uh here on this side of the ocean but you know you get to the olympics and it's just automatic that you're going to have a, a a stadium full of screaming fans how 
weird was that? It was weird, um, especially for a tournament of that size and magnitude. The Olympic Games, like, we're used to playing in front of 50,000, 60,000 people. So um, when we scored, like, there wasn't really a roar. You could just hear it was, like, kind of dead silent. So um, I heard my voice quite a bit. Um, that's why it's a bit raspy right now. Um, but, yeah, it was weird. But we just, you kind of got used to it as the tournament went on. Um, our bench was, was louder than ever. So it was nice to just hear that support and that Canadian pride coming through. Speaking of Canadian pride, and, and I know soccer is a team game, uh, but, you know, there is yourself, uh, there's Steph LeBay, uh, Kadisha Buchanan, uh, and certainly uh, Christine Sinclair. Uh, I can't help but thinking somewhere in the back of all of your minds, as much as you're winning for Canada, uh, for your team, and, and for yourselves, winning it for Sinky, was that the rallying cry? I am so honored to be Christine Sinclair's teammate. I, I have always said we hype her up more than she appreciates and wants, um, but she has literally changed the game in Canada. Um, for myself being a teammate, I look up to her. She inspires me, but she inspires literally everyone in the world with how she plays, and no one deserves it more. Um, it's been a long time coming. She made the mark for Canada and, and our program, and to see where we've come, we, we joked about it. We went back to back to back, and now here we are, and, and honestly, I'm just so happy for our team, but especially for her with such a illustrious career, and she's just so deserving of it. I have to ask you about Steph LeBay. Do you think she'll ever have to buy a dinner again? In her she better not. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. Like, I knew a keeper in a PK usually has one save in them, but she showed up for two PKs against Brazil in the gold medal match in high-pressure situations. She just She owned those moments, and Thank God she was in the net for us because we couldn't have gotten here without her. You know, we know Desi the Destroyer. We know Christine Sinclair. We know Steph LeBay. We know Kadisha Buchanan and some of the other veteran members of the team. But I can't help but thinking from about that moment on Friday morning here uh, that all of a sudden Julia Grosso became a household name in our country as, as well. Tell us about your young teammate, if you would. Yeah, she's, you know, I've kind of taken her under my wing. She plays in that midfield position, and um, she kind of said she looked up to me and those sort of things. We get along so well. Um, and I thought she had a great tournament. First Olympic Games coming in and making an impact, and then to have to take that final PK kick to win us a gold, essentially. Um, and she was cool, calm, and collected. And I just, she just, I remember her hands were on her head at the end of the game, and she's like, oh, my God. Like, just... I'm so proud of her. Our young ones really stepped up in this tournament, and, and the program is in such a great place. It, it certainly is, and it's because of veterans like you. I'm not even going to ask you about a fourth Olympics, Des, because, uh, uh, you know, I want you to enjoy the moment, and we want you uh, we want you here in Winnipeg uh, for as long as we can, but we know duty calls. Uh, so how much of a whirlwind week is this going to be for you? Yeah, I'm embracing every moment and soaking it all in. I think it's, I'm not going to probably get much sleep. I'm hoping, you know, to see friends, family, um, maybe hit up a few sporting events and show off this medal to the, to the people who have supported me and, and really just followed my career along the way. And um, I'm ready for it. I'm excited. We got to celebrate this moment. Yeah, I don't want to sound like a Debbie Downer here, but <laughs> wouldn't it be fantastic if we had a professional women's soccer league in our country and you could play your first game here in Winnipeg at IG Field and get that love. I would 
those are what dreams are made of, essentially. You know, you want to be able to play the sport you love professionally in your hometown, in your city. Um, and that's something our team has been fighting for for the past few years to get a professional league here in Canada. It's needed. It's necessary. That pathway to see where you can be and grow and play from the grassroots all the way up. It's, it's a necessity. And we're hoping now with the success of our program, you can't take this gold medal unnoticed. So we're hoping that this will set a mark set a precedent and really get some people some foot in the door to get a professional league here in Canada. When you won that bronze in London in 2012, I think we started talking about that. How much further do you think you've moved the needle now with the bronze in Rio and now this gold medal in Tokyo? Yeah, I think it, you it, you definitely see it ticking away. Um, we definitely see a bit more interest in investors. You know, that's the money part of the side of the game that we need. We need people to invest in the women's game, in the program. Um, it's, it's coming along where conversations are happening. And I know a lot of our teammates, ex-teammates, Diana Matheson's, the Carmelina Moscato's of the world are really pushing to get a league here. And, you know, you can't, you can't ignore those names. No, you certainly can't. And you cannot ever ignore nor forget what the Desiree Scots, Desi the Destroyers, uh, have done for the game. Thank you so much for this. And, uh, uh, I, I know You've got to pick up and, and take up with Kansas City uh, probably by this time next week. So thank you, Desi, and enjoy your week in Winnipeg. My God, girl, have you earned it. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all, but they